Hello and welcome to the Powering Independence podcast. I'm your host, Austin Philbin, Chief Administrative Officer of Dynasty Financial Partners. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Ben Harrison. Ben is the co-head of Wealth Solutions at BNY Mellon Pershing. He spent almost 15 years at the firm. Prior to that, he spent time at TD Ameritrade as a vice president and also on the RIA relationship management and new product development. He is a graduate of Ohio Wesleyan University and has spent uh, the past nine plus years as a very close partner to us at Dynasty Financial Partners. Ben, thanks for joining me. Why don't we start with a, a pretty simple question. Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Pershing and the journey that you've taken to get to that point in the firm? Great. Well, thanks for having me, Austin. It's terrific to be with you on this podcast. And I, too, have uh, enjoyed getting to know you over the years and working really closely with the leadership team at Dynasty. So I co-lead the Wealth Solutions business at Pershing, and that is composed of our RIA custody business, our broker-dealer wealth business, as well as our bank and trust uh, business. And it's been a journey to get here. As you mentioned, I joined the firm uh, back in 2006, have been here for almost uh, 15 years, uh, and I joined uh, from TD Ameritrade, where I began my career at Waterhouse Securities uh, on the RIA custody uh, platform. And when I joined Pershing, we were just standing up our RIA custody business. At that point, we had hired Mark Tabersian to lead our firm, and uh, we had set out on our growth journey. And we had $50 billion of assets under custody at that point, and now we have over a trillion on the platform. So it's been it's been a great uh, great journey, and really, we're just getting started. So, I mean, you've more than likely seen lots of changes and lots of things that have happened Um you know, recently I did see that you were moved to this position of Wealth Solutions. It would be interesting to me. Could you tell the audience a little bit about the mission and objectives of that group and what you're focused on at Pershing now? Sure, happy to. So, as I mentioned, uh, the Wealth Solutions business is focused on registered investment advisors, broker dealers, and uh, trust companies. And if you think about that evolution, uh, what we've seen in the in the marketplace is that we've seen a convergence uh, across the advice spectrum. Uh, on the RIA chassis as well as our broker dealer chassis, and those two businesses have been moving together really over the last decade. And we've clearly positioned ourselves at Pershing as a top clearing firm for uh, introducing broker dealers. Uh, We're a top three player in the RAA custody business. And we also are the only player that has a bank trust platform as a part of our ecosystem. So that really brings together wealth solutions. And these multiple business lines, there are multiple regulators. We're, we're in a business that uh, is heavy with acronyms. And it really, uh, what we are doing is we're really surrounding our client segment holistically rather than these legal entities. So this was a big change uh, for Pershing uh, to really align our businesses uh, around uh, the client uh, and the wealth 
ecosystem rather than separate uh, distinct uh, businesses. Uh, and that's been a great uh, journey for us and we're excited about it because it really is a reflection of where the business is, is headed and uh, what we're seeing in the marketplace. To play that back to you, it, it sounds, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that by bringing these various business units that may have been operating independent of one another, you've now created a platform that has a tremendous amount of flexibility for both the client, the RIA or the financial advisor, but also the end client so that they're able to have an optimal client experience um, irregardless of the way in which they choose to interact with their advisor. Does that seem like an accurate representation of, of what Wealth Solutions is really about? Yeah, that, that is exactly right. It's focused on the client experience, uh, an advisor-led uh, experience to support an in, end investor that has uh, complexity in their financial lives. And we have a platform uh, that can holistically solve for that client's needs. That's great. And I, and I agree with you. I think that when you look at the trends, there certainly is a ton of focus on uh, the advisory business, moving to a business model in which uh, the clients interact, the clients being the end client interacts with their advisor in a uh, fee-only uh, type construct. But there will always be, I believe, uh, a need for other ways in which you interact with clients, whether that's on the brokerage side or fixed fee, um, I think being able to provide end clients with choice is incredibly important. When you think about the trends within the industry, does that does that resonate with you? Is there, you know, in your mind, going to always be the the need, at least to some degree, for flexibility around how advisors interact with their end clients? Absolutely, and and so we've seen that in the in the space in the independent space is is growing and evolving and being able to solve for the needs holistically uh, for an end client, whether they've got all advisory business, a, a component of brokerage business, a need for uh, trust is uh, something that uh, we believe uh, is an important uh, element and differentiator for firms to, to really uh, grow their wealth management business. Absolutely. You and I have I see it as the good fortune, but we've had the good fortune of being able to work together for almost a decade, which seems crazy. Um, you know, over that time, lots of things have changed, both with our company, with your company, with the industry in general. So my question to you is, how have you seen it through your lens, the changes that have occurred uh, to the independent space, both in your career and then also, you know, over the past decade? And then I think it's always interesting for people that you know, on the podcast to talk about some of their most memorable stories. I mean, for me, that's the most uh, important and best thing that I get out of this is to be able to hear the stories behind the evolution of what it is that we do. So would you mind talking about the changes and maybe share some of your stories with the listeners? Sure, happy to. So we've seen just a tremendous uh, growth story in the independent uh, marketplace. And we've seen consistent year over year uh, growth. If you look back uh, the last five years, um, the 
RIA business has grown uh, double digits over 10% uh, year over year uh, from a con- compound annual growth rate. And uh, in fact, if you look at the RIA and the IBD space, uh, th- we now control more than uh, the wirehouse channel. So there's, it, it, as uh, Cerulli uh, recently uh, put out in their most recent report, 37% of the wealth assets are controlled by RIAs and IBDs compared to 34% of the wirehouse channel. So that's a, that's a big push. Um, and so let's get to why uh, and why we're seeing that. It's really investor-led. Over the last uh, decade, we've seen this shift towards the fiduciary advice model. And that is a movement away from a sales distribution type of model and um, away from product advocacy towards client advocacy. So it's really been a profound shift that we've seen driven by investors away from commissions and transactions to more of a holistic planning and advice model. And the independent RIA marketplace really sets itself up well uh, to be able to solve the needs beyond just investments or portfolio uh, returns to a more comprehensive, goal-oriented client advocacy model. We've also seen a significant professionalization in the space. So think back to 2008 and uh, the liability that came with being with a big brand at that point. Um, And there's been this perception that RIAs were small, that they were unsophisticated. I would say in the last decade – and Dynasty has been a big part of this uh, in terms of the completion strategy that you all have to help firms really ensure that they've got the best of breed ecosystem. But we've seen the perception of RIAs change to a more of a boutique wealth management uh, deliverable that clients really want uh, to be a, a part of. Uh, finally, um, to your to your uh, question around stories, uh, I mean, I can think of countless stories of launches that we've done uh, together. Uh, you know, firms uh, leaving, uh, you know, on a Friday afternoon, and uh, you know, coming in with uh, printers and forms and uh, pre-pop uh, information, etc. That's all evolving now, right? Uh, it's becoming much more digital in nature and uh, less uh, reliant upon uh, paperwork. Uh, but I, I know that there's you know countless stories of paperwork that you and the transition team have been focused on uh, in collaboration uh, with us. Uh, so that's always uh, that's always fun to look back on. And I would just say the the scale and magnitude that we've seen uh, you know evolve. I can think back to uh, days early in my career where we actually had a celebration because we uh, eclipsed $5 billion on a custody platform uh, in the course of a year. Now we're doing teams, $5 billion teams at a clip, and that's not – that's not uncommon. So we celebrated, you know, $5 billion crossing the threshold. And now, you know, I'm sure that you're, you've done uh, teams larger than that and have a number in the pipeline that you're working on today. That's such a, an interesting, important point. And I, I think similarly back to the beginning of our company, 
where, as you stated, we would celebrate really, really big wins at the time, which may have been, you know, a 250 or $500 million uh, RIA, which is not to downplay the significance of those firms to our history and our culture. And they've great clients and they've grown significantly. But you're right, the, the opportunity has now opened up to a much larger set of individuals and firms that are just managing in aggregate a lot more than the early uh, you know, history of our company. So it's not uncommon, to your point, to, to be engaged with a, a $2 or $3 billion firm that's looking to leave a captive traditional financial institution and, and become an independent RIA. I think some of that has to do with the demystification of uh, what the independent space is, what's available to the end clients of these advisors, how they're able to deliver with hopefully better technology, but at least equivalent technology, and still have access to all the products and services. I don't think there's enough of that being talked about. Even to me, it'll be shocking when you know, you're talking to a recruit and there's a question on whether or not third-party um, separately managed account managers are available in the independent space. So, I mean, I don't know if you see that in some of your conversations. I know it's getting better. There's there's more education around the independent space, but how do you feel the, the individuals in the captive institutions understand custody, understand technology, understand the freedom and the fiduciary standard of, of the independent space. And what would you tell them if they're listening to this? Yeah, it's a really good point. And it's actually something that Dynasty does a great job, you know, kind of beating that drum around the fact that the independent marketplace and ecosystem is uh, really uh, on its own uh, capable of curating a much more comprehensive uh, platform than you may be able to get in a captive environment because you're not confined to one single box. You are a, a buy-side participant with uh, access to open architecture, and that doesn't uh, mean only open architecture from an investment standpoint. Obviously, uh, a clearing firm like BNY Mellon Pershing, we have uh, a complete open architecture uh, ability to, to solve the needs for an investment platform. But coupled with the likes of Dynasty, uh, we can also uh, have a very open uh perspective around experience. So whether that be a uh, fintech solution to handle uh, your portfolio reporting and portal capabilities to the ability to to utilize uh, alternative managers, uh, the ability to uh, really uh, design and implement a solution that is uh, really specialized for your client situation, that is something that you can do in the independent marketplace. And for many years, uh, people had the perception that you had to go to a major Wall Street firm to get uh, these uh, solutions. The reality is the solutions have been democratized 
as Cheryl likes to talk about, and are available for consumption in the independent marketplace. And it really allows uh, founders and uh, firms to develop a platform and, and solution set that is in alignment with the goals that they have to, to drive their client experience forward. So that's a perception to your point, you know, that has changed and we've seen such an inflow of, uh, innovation and, uh, specialization to support, uh, independent wealth firms, uh, in the last decade. It's really, really exciting. That's such an important point. And, and to extend it even further and to use the way in which you articulated, which was phenomenal, this now becomes in the RIA all about what it is that you as the entrepreneur and business owner think is important from a client journey perspective. So you're no longer being told by an institution that you have to use these tools in order to create the deliverables that your clients want or need, but you have completely open architecture to make decisions and to be able to give your clients the journey that they deserve. And so for me, when you, when I, at least when I engage with our clients and prospects, that's one of the things that I try to bring forth, which is, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, if a new technology firm enters into the independent space, independent ecosystem, and is something completely disruptive, you're going to be able to capitalize on that very quickly. Of course, you're going to want to do the due diligence. You want to make sure that it integrates with great partners um, like yourselves and others. And at the end of the day, if you want to use that technology to provide something that's better for your end client, you will have that ultimate decision-making power which to me is really important when you think about being able to control your client experience both now, 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future, et cetera. I don't know if that lands with you, but that for me is something they get really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost best of both worlds because you get the ability to, to curate a uh, – a platform and experience that is, uh, you know, very focused on an outcome that you hope to achieve for your business and for your clients. And you get to be utilize uh, tools that allow you to be flexible, nimble, uh, leading edge from a, a fintech uh, experience standpoint. And you're not, you know, tied to a big bureaucratic uh, process of a, of a big firm. However, you get the benefit of scale and safety and stability of utilizing a BNY Mellon Pershing, uh, largest custody bank, uh, safety, uh, stability, uh, all of the things that come with that, uh, coupled with a, uh, with a dynasty uh, ability to power independence. So it's really, uh, as I mentioned, kind of best of, of both worlds around being nimble and flexible, but also being able to still get scale and be big when it's needed. For sure. I'm going to change course a little bit. Um, one of my favorite things in my career, and I've been really, really lucky to work with phenomenal people, and I've been able to have some really, really uh, great mentors that have helped me develop professionally, and also that's naturally spilled over into my personal life and the way in which I try to try to live. But one of, again, one of my greatest 
one of the things that makes me most happy in life is to see some of the people that I work with um, become very successful and continue to, to hold leadership positions in, in different organizations and just continue to grow as professionals and just basically as humans. You know, specific to you, I've enjoyed watching your trajectory as a professional. I mean, I think about <clears throat> where you are today and just the way in which you communicate information, just your presence. It, it's something that, you know, I've really enjoyed uh, being, you know, kind of a, a spectator to watch your growth. Um, and for me, what's been important, I think, in my own growth is, is being able to find mentors who are important to to career development. My question to you is like, have you had any mentors during your career? And you know, what, what are some of the wisdom that they've shared with you that, that you remember? Yeah, it, it is a terrific question and something that I'm passionate about uh, as well. And I'm very, very fortunate. And I've had a tremendous amount of opportunity in my career. And that is because of a couple of factors. The first is the first mentors I ever had in my life were my my parents. And uh, they were terrific uh, mentors and just gave me a great uh, focus and uh, inner um, stability uh, to do what uh, whatever I wanted. Uh, and they both were uh, in not-for-profit careers, so not business people at all. But one of the things I took from that, to your point, it's life is life. And right. it's very relationship-oriented, and relationships really matter. And uh, that was uh, so important. Uh, professionally, I've also had, you know, terrific mentors. I've had leaders that uh, have given me uh, a uh, an outline to emulate, and that's really important for leaders to know that they are being watched all the time and I watch leaders all the time and I emulate leaders and I look for opportunities to really feel inspired and uh, want to go work for people and and uh, and really uh, make an impact. Yeah. So I've had a number of those uh, great leaders. And, and specifically for me, I always have been able to feel when somebody's investing in me and they really go out of their way to make you feel that you are important, that they can rely on you and that they're asking you for uh, something. So that, that's been uh, something really important. Mark Diversion was a terrific mentor, uh, and uh, he – I worked for Mark for a decade, and uh, what I learned from Mark is confidence to lead. Uh, he always, uh, always with his leadership team delegated the responsibility to, for us to lead the business forward, and it was never dictated. It was always collaborative and a uh, – process in which we made decisions collectively together as a team. And uh, that was extraordinarily important. And I learned a tremendous uh, amount from uh, from Mark, uh, you know, being having him as a mentor for for over a decade. And I've also learned, you know, a ton from from partners in the in the marketplace to your uh, 
to your earlier comments um, and, uh, you know, sharing uh, stories and the ability to learn, learn from others. And it's really, um, it's been very uh, impactful for me uh, to, to think about um, what's, uh, what's important to lead a team, to invest in yourself, to always be learning, to invest in your people, and, uh, and also to give back. I love that. I, I really liked the, the, the points that you made about <clears throat> mentors and leaders who that you can feel that they're invested in you and that it's an authentic investment in another human being to help them grow. And it's, you know, we work in a very interesting industry. It, I was in traditional financial institutions and now I've been in the independent space for, you know, about a decade, but all within financial services. And sometimes it's hard to find those people, the people that are truly invested in helping you grow as a professional. So to the extent that you're out there listening and you found that person, I mean, it's re- it's somewhat rare, um, unfortunately, but when you do find those people, it's important to try to, to maximize those relationships and to listen um, and to trust that the guidance that they're giving you or attempting to give you is is hopefully leading you down a really positive pathway. Um, similar to you, I, I grew up in um, a household with a mother and a father that were both in uh, non-for-profit industries. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a judge. And also similar to you, what I learned was just that hard work and relationships are incredibly important. And I can still remember my mom, you know, waking me up at like 5.30 in the morning to go into school for extra help in math because I just stunk at it. And again, being able to, to have the good fortune of those mentors early in my life and then being able to find others throughout my career has been, I think, incredibly impactful to, um, you know, my progression. I guess the only other thing that I, that I try to think about too much is that Oftentimes in our industry, and I'd be interested in your point of view on this, Ben, is that we live in a world kind of where it sometimes feels like you always have to have the answer and that you have to uh, attempt to be something more than you really are. And my approach to it is I can't do that. I'm not effective of trying to present this person that's greater than I actually am. I try to be like humble and not take everything so seriously, but to understand that when our clients need us, it's not that we have to have the answer right away. It's the ability to find the person and find the answer and get back to them in a way that's um, timely with the right information. So I don't know how you feel about perhaps that imagery of, of trying to know more than you actually do or you know, kind of your view on how you approach those questions, but I'd be interested in, in your kind of point of view on that. I think it's such a great point, and I I share your philosophy to a T on that, and you know want to draw you back to a word that you used, which was authenticity. Yeah, and authenticity uh, is just it's uh, that's the cornerstone of that, and what we think about in our business all the time is trust is our most important uh, ingredient to a relationship. And um, it's so simple. What you just uh, articulated around (laughs) how people, uh, you know, it's so simple. 
And uh, it's, uh, you know, I think about the leaders back to the mentors and leaders in my life and, and, you know, kind of coming up in this business, doing the right thing, regardless of the how high stakes the situation is, will always pay dividends. 100%. And it could be a really tough decision that you're making at that point. There could be a big, uh, big deal or big client that you're working on. And, and uh, early, early in your career, somebody uh, instilled in you that it was okay to we're going to do this because it's the right thing to do for the client, and you know whether whether that's going to be a poor outcome for us um, financially, or, or you're not going to win the deal, or wh- whatever it might be. But we're going to do the right thing. Learning that early, and that if if you you know stay true to that uh, philosophy, it'll always pay dividends. Is just so important, and, it's, and again, it's so simple. But those are the types of things that you you learn, uh, you know, uh, from your upbringing and and throughout your um, formative years. Um, that it's so important. You can't stray from that, and it's and it's it will pay dividends. Yeah, I agree with you. I think sometimes it's like you got to take a step back, take a half step back, take a deep breath especially when you're, when you're making a difficult decision that you know may not impact you from a financial perspective in a positive way, but it's the right thing to do for the client given the particular situation. If you, I, I a thousand percent agree with you. If you do the right thing day after day over time, um, those dividends will pay off. And it, it has to, it, they'll pay off in a way particularly if you don't expect them to happen. You don't do things with the expectation that it's going to come back around. You just do them because they're the right thing. And ultimately things, I, I believe, at least it's been my experience, will work out. Mm-hmm. And to your point, don't try to be some somebody that you're not. And, and um, you know, you've, you've just got to um, be passionate, work hard. And to your point, uh, if things need to get done, you, re- you are there, you respond and, and you work through it together as, as partners. Yep. How about from an industry perspective, what are you most excited about? Well, there's just a ton of opportunity in the marketplace right now, just a plethora of opportunity. I mean, we've been, you know, living in this, uh, pandemic for the last 15 months, but uh, even that couldn't quell the need for uh, wealth management. And, uh, you know, it's, if anything, it's increased the complexity in people's lives and it's created opportunities for us to uh, continue to move our industry forward. And I think about it like this. I think that we're still at a relatively early part of the journey of what we can be accomplished um, to improve people's lives uh, financially uh, from an outcome perspective. Um, So I think that we've got a long runway in terms of uh, our ability to uh, continue to evolve our business. And as we all are running businesses right now, it's all about priority and sifting through all of these opportunities, uh, and we all have limited resources. So we've got to we've got to really be focused about it. I think that my outlook for the industry is that we're going to continue to see back to the democratization story 
we're going to continue to be able to improve financial lives and outcomes because the tools and solutions that we're seeing developed right now are going to be able to not only be utilized for high net worth and ultra high net worth clients. Uh, I think that we're going to be, you know, everybody's got complexity in their lives. Everybody's got goals and outcomes that they want to meet. And with the proper tools, technology, and people, I think that we're going to be able to take that to more people. Uh, And I'm really, really excited about that because uh, this shouldn't be just – roped off for the upper echelon. There is a process and a uh, and a, an ability to deliver on uh, meeting individuals' goals that I think uh, we're going to be able to see democratized. I agree. Um, the other thing that I think about, and I know that um, that you all have a great partnership with the firm that goes into um, middle and high schools across the country to provide financial literacy to students. But it's crazy to me to think back to my own education during those time periods. And there's just not a lot of education around finances. And in the United States, there's to some extent a taboo about talking about money and talking about savings and investments. And I agree with you that there's, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to be able to help a much broader segment of our country understand how to be more financially prudent. And the net result hopefully would be that more people are able to stay out of trouble and truly achieve some of their objectives that they have during life. And I understand that's a very almost utopian statement. And, you know, some people listening to this call or this, this, podcast would say, ah, that it doesn't make sense to me. But I, I truly believe like most things, it starts with education. You know, you, you look at various elements of life, whether it's, you know, your fitness or your diet or you know, your finances, and there's just not enough education around what people should do. So they don't have the correct framework. And without the correct framework, even if you have discipline, you're probably or you may be doing things that are going to leave you in a worse situation than if you had the proper educational framework around financial literacy. So how do you think we do that more effectively as an industry? I completely agree. And and the problem is right now that uh, it just doesn't get taught in schools. And um, if you think about the lessons that uh, that individuals need to learn about personal finance, and credit scores and making the right decisions and not getting yourself into debt and and not um, – uh, there's so many missteps that uh, people can make along the way and if they don't grow up uh, in a family that uh, has uh, the privilege to uh, enjoy those types of um, you know, economic uh, – financial independence, then they're really at a disadvantage. So uh, it's a it's a fundamental problem and there's really not a way in which uh, the public uh, school system is is investing in that. So one of the things that we have done is we uh, have put a program in place for advisors and advisors uh, know this uh, 
all of these, uh, you know, financial habits so well. Uh, and, and it's an opportunity for them to give back. So we have a program where you can adopt your local school and, uh, and really support a curriculum to teach uh, kids in their formative years in high school about personal finance and some of the decisions that they are going to need to make in their life uh, so that they're uh, that they're educated uh, to your to your um, to your point. So that's that's something that we feel passionately about, and that uh, advisors can can grab a hold of and, and give back in their local communities or uh, communities that are underserved. Uh, that could be a great opportunity. I personally am in um, uh, involved in the Foundation for Financial Planning, which is a pro bono. Uh, support uh, system uh, where it really supports uh, advisors on the endeavor to deliver pro bono financial advice to underserved populations. Uh, and that's uh, something that uh, we're really proud of supporting at BNY Mellon Pershing. And I'm uh, on the board of trustees. I actually have a board meeting after this uh, podcast uh, this afternoon. And it really uh, is important, uh, you know, not necessarily from a financial literacy perspective, uh, which your question is, but how we can give back to a business that has given so much to us to help those in need that can really utilize uh, financial planning as a part of, you know, whether to get out of a situation that they've got themselves in from a health crisis or um, just a financial need uh, to get access to a plan or to work through a, uh, a financial plan of, you know, maybe it's which which uh, areas of debt you should pay first, right. um, you know, or, you know, a long-term strategy to, to get out of a situation that you're in uh, financially. So it's, it's really important and, uh, and we're passionate about it. And it sounds like you are as well. Yeah, I can feel it. I can tell that it's something that's really important to you, which is great. And I, I have had the good fortune of participating in the program that you mentioned in, in Pershing. Um, BNY Mellon Pershing does a really good job with helping advisors in their local schools get connected and talk to students about financial literacy. It's it's a really cool thing. Um, I always like to end uh, these conversations with uh, a question, um, which is, uh, what what's one piece of advice you would... Um, you would have given yourself um, as you left your your college, as you left school. Wow, that's a that's a big one. Um, I, I don't know if I could boil it down to one piece of advice. Uh, I, I I go back to what we talked about earlier about doing the right thing and not paying dividends. That's uh, that's something that uh, is so simple but uh, very uh, powerful. I think that um, I, I guess a couple of things. A couple of things that um, as I have. Uh, been fortunate to get opportunities uh, throughout my career. I would say that the power of compounding is so important, right? You start out uh, your career at the at the, an entry level position, and you it's just a building block, building blocks along the way. Uh, and if you continue to invest 
in yourself and um, in your career that that will compound over time and create additional opportunity. And I've seen that it's paid dividends for me and that's been really important. I think another thing I would um, share with myself is that as as you uh, get older, time accelerates. So it's extraordinarily important to take advantage of the time while you have it. And uh, whether that's in your own personal life or your business life, uh, that's that's so important. And then finally, and this has become much more a focus uh, or a reality uh, for me over the last um, several years is I would probably say to seek diversity, to really seek diversity of thought around you, um, diversity of experience. Uh, I had a great opportunity to move out west and uh, live in San Francisco for three years and and run our West Coast uh, operation, and that was a, that was a, just a chain a, a professional experience, a lifetime experience that I got, and it was a risk, uh, but it was okay. You have to seek diversity of experience, and then you know finally uh, you know diversity of talent. Uh, I think early in my career, I thought. Uh, it was to surround yourself with people that looked similar to you and had similar upbringing and, and experiences. What I've learned is by surrounding yourself with a really diverse team where people have different experiences, that is uh, something that I didn't gain the benefit of early in my career, but I have realized that it's really important now. That's the best. Ben, I have enjoyed this conversation tremendously, and I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me for a bit. <clears throat> I appreciate all that you do. We've had a phenomenal partnership, and you've been um, a huge um, piece to that. So thank you for that, and I look forward to continuing to partner together in the future. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. Well, same here, Austin. Thanks to you and the team at Dynasty, and we look forward to the next decade of robust growth and evolution in the independent uh, space. Let's go. Thank you to Ben for today's conversation. And thank you to all of our listeners. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. Just as a reminder, please stay tuned for future episodes. And remember, everyone be safe, be healthy live your life passionately.